Today we're finishing up our study on wisdom. Been talking about wisdom for a month. And, and as I was thinking about this, I, I, I actually ordered this sign. How many of you have ever been driving and you've gone, you've turned down a road and it has this sign out there, right? Okay. So what do you do if you turn down a road and it shows this sign? It's right there. What do you do? You could sit there and wait till the Department of Transportation shows up and continues the road. You could do that. That'd be one option. You could argue with the sign. Dumb sign. You don't know what you're talking about. This is me. I never go down dead ends. I never get lost. You could, you could turn around, go back to the beginning of the street, come down the same road again, hoping to get to a different place. You could. Those are options, right? Are those wise or unwise options? Unwise. What did the person who put up the sign know about the road that you don't know? It's a dead end. He's been there before. Maybe you should listen to the person who's already been there. Um, the Bible has a lot to say about how to avoid dead ends. And according to the Bible, the way you avoid a dead end in your life is you make wise choices. So uh, I, I, wanted, I want you to say this out loud with me. I want you to say, all of my problems... Okay, now, see, I want you to think like there's an exclamation or point or two at the end of the sentence. So you have to, I know we, this is a comma, right? So all of my problems, there's a comma there. When we get to the end of the sentence, there's an exclamation point. And, and I want you to participate because it's going to benefit you. But people online are listening. And this tells them whether there's anybody in the room. So you're going to say, all of my problems. All of my problems. Dude, come on. The first service less than half this size. They, they just blew you away. So, so get into character. All of my problems come from a lack of wisdom. We're going to do it one more time. You're going to do it kind of with, you're kind of with an attitude, like you're mad. All of my problems come from a lack of wisdom. The reason you have financial problems is because you make unwise decisions. The reason you have relational problems is because you make unwise decisions. And when I make unwise decisions, it always takes me down a dead end road. And I can hang out here with the sign hoping that it's going to be different, but I'm probably going to die next to the sign and it would be appropriate for somebody to put this on your tombstone if you hang out here. But the Bible says you don't have to hang out here. There's a different way. You can acquire wisdom and that's what we're going to talk about today. So, say it again. All of my problems come from a lack of wisdom. How many of you would say, I don't have enough time to get everything done I need to get done? Y'all are, y'all are scared. No, this, really? That's a wisdom problem. Because look what the Bible says. Proverbs 9, 11, wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. I can't tell you how many times at night. So, Janie and I, every night we, we pray together and we take turns, and so many times on her, her night, we, we lay down in the bed, and she'll grab my hand, I grab her hand, and we're praying, and on her night, I can't tell you how many times in, in the 28 years we've been married, she'll pray, God, multiply Doug's minutes tomorrow. And here's the key, when, when I get up and I honor God with the first part of my day, he always answers that prayer. If I dishonor God and don't give him the first part of my day, he's not obligated to multiply my minutes. 
It's a wisdom issue. So the wise thing to do is to put God first and allow him to multiply my minutes to, to keep his promises. Um, how many of you would like this year to be better than last year? Oh, that's almost unanimous. That's a wisdom issue. Here's what the Bible says. Wise people's lives get better and better. Now, why? Because you're not making the same mistakes. And even when other people make mistakes, you've learned how to deal with them because you're getting wiser. You're getting better. And so your life is just going to be better if you follow the wise way. Here's what Proverbs 3.16 says about wisdom. Wisdom, okay, now I need, a, I need a bell up here. I wish I'd have brought a bell. I didn't think about it in time. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ding the bell every time this verse promises you something that's really cool. All right, here we go. Wisdom offers you long life. Ding, 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 ding. As well as wealth. Ding, ding. Honor. Ding, ding. Wisdom can make your life pleasant. Ding, 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 ding. Lead you safely through. Ding, 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 ding. Those who become wise are happy. I don't know what's going on here. Wisdom will give you life. Ding, ding, ding. Seven things. And those seven things are so ridiculously over the top that if I were having an infomercial and I held up a product and I said, this product offers you long life. It offers you wealth, honor, pleasant life. It will lead you safely through the problems of life. This product will make you happy and it will give you life that is full and you would think that, I, that it was too good to be true, right? You'd think this guy's crazy. And if I made the promise... You'd be right, but I didn't make the promise. Who made the promise? God did. Now, if you're wise, you're going to go, give me some of that. I want those seven benefits, right? The Bible says, and we're going to look at this when we get in our supernatural series, the Bible says that there is an enemy of God who is a counterfeiter. So if God offers true love, the enemy of God will offer counterfeit love. When the Bible says that God is light, in him there is no darkness at all, then you have a counterfeit light. The Bible says that the the enemy of God, the accuser of God's people, can appear as an angel of light to fool you. So anywhere there's the the genuine, you're always going to have the counterfeit until God defeats Satan and casts him into the lake of fire forever. So if there is a genuine biblical wisdom, I guarantee you there's also going to be a wisdom that is demonic. And I did not know that it was actually called demonic until just recently when I came across these verses in in James. James is the half-brother of Jesus, and here's what he says. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by by deeds done in what? Humility, in the humility that comes from wisdom. Wisdom, humility always go together, which means pride and wisdom do not go together. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition, two things, if you have these things in your heart, look what it says, bitter envy, selfish ambition, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven. So there is a wisdom that comes from heaven. It's not it if you have envy or uh, selfish ambition in your heart. Bitter envy, selfish ambition does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual. What's that last word? Demonic. There is a wisdom not of God, that wants to destroy you and everything that God loves. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Not just a few evil practices. Every evil practice come from bitter envy, selfish ambition. And it does not, cannot come from God. Look at the opposite. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. 
peace loving. Now, when, when it says peace loving, remember in Romans it says, as far as it's possible, as, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. That means, that means there may be some people who won't live at peace with you. There are times we have to go to war to defend. We have a, we have a, a law that says if you defend yourself, self-defense is a defense in a court of law. But, but for the most part, it's peace-loving, considerate, submissive. Oh, that was a dirty word back when I was growing up in the, in the uh, fundamental Baptist church. The, women were to be seen and not heard. This was in the 70s. And we had all kinds of fights in our church over where, and, and I do not believe that women are supposed to be seen and not heard. I believe women are gifted by God. There's the, the redemption that they have through the cross is just the same as, as through men. And, and I base that on in Ephesians chapter five, before it ever says, wives submit to your husbands, it says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. There are times when God gives Janie a word that he doesn't give me. And I believe he's testing to see if I will be under his authority and listen to my wife, a wise man, a wise husband listens to his his wife, right? And then it goes on to say, wives, submit to your husbands. Because if you'll love her like Christ loved the church, submission will never be an issue. By the way, congratulations. I just saw you sitting there, buddy. Just got engaged and she said yes. It was awesome. You need to listen to this message today, brother. (laughs) Actually, everybody does. So pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit. You will know a person by their fruit impartial and sincere. And then look at this. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness, which, which means people who do not sow peace reap a harvest of unrighteousness. <laughs> See, there is a wisdom from above that brings peace and purity and unity to God's people. And there is a wisdom from below, not from heaven, that brings disorder and chaos and disunity. There's a wisdom destroys the church and there's a wisdom from heaven that builds the church and we need to find out what that wisdom is proverbs eight eleven says for wisdom is far more valuable than rubies nothing how many things nothing you desire can compare with it. i did not know how much rubies were worth i didn't know the value so i looked it up i found this out um one carat exquisite ruby is twice as expensive as a one-carat brilliant diamond. Twice as expensive. And I thought, that's pretty impressive. And then I kept looking. A three-carat exquisite ruby is 10 times the cost of a three-carat brilliant diamond. And my first thought was, maybe ruby should be a girl's best friend. Right, ladies? Come, Come on. But it also made me think, man, the Bible knows what's up. Thousands of years ago, when Solomon wrote this, He was telling us that wisdom is more valuable than 10 times a brilliant diamond. (laughs) Maybe we should pay attention to it. And if you will get wisdom, the scripture says, it will benefit every area of your life. So we better understand what this is. Proverbs 4, 7 says, getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. If it's the most important thing we can do is get wisdom, let's figure out what it is. Here's the simple Um, definition. Wisdom is seeing things from God's point of view, and I should have put obeying and obeying. Because just understanding God's will, that's not enough. God says, if you love me, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. It's not just enough to see the commands there. You got to do it. A person can be, and see this wisdom, what we're talking about is not knowledge. A person can be knowledgeable and be a fool. You can have a highly educated fool. You can have an uneducated wise person because wisdom that we're talking about today comes from God. 
Now, I want to let you in on a little bit, little secret today. <laughs> Wisdom is a choice. How many of you, when you were born, you came out, they named you wisdom because there was none like you? No one? Even if you were wise, you know, beyond your years, when you got to the teenage years, did anybody call you wisdom? No. I definitely was not in my teenage years. You have to learn wisdom. And until you do the things that the Bible tells you, you're not going to get it. So there's six things I want to talk to you today about to get wisdom. And it comes from this. Proverbs 4, 5 says, learn to be wise and develop good judgment and common sense. It's your choice. You don't have to learn, but you can learn. You can acquire wisdom if you'll choose to do these six things. Number one, listen to God's word every day. Wisdom from above not just listen to the television, not just listen to the radio, not just read the things on the internet. Wisdom comes from God. How many of you believe everything you read on the internet? How many of you believe everything that's on the nightly news? How many of you believe um, uh, everything you hear on the radio? How many of you believe that every word of God's word is true? Why then do we spend countless more hours reading and listening to the things that we don't believe are necessarily true, we do that more than we spend with the things we know are true. Is that wise? Because we're not wise. Somebody says that. Are you really going to be wiser reading about the Kardashians? You're going to get dumber. There should be a counter next to your TV screen that clicks down. Your IQ just lowers click click, click, every minute, click, click, click. <laughs> a wise person, Proverbs fifteen fourteen says, is hungry for knowledge while the fools feed on trash. I love this translation. We got to print it out and put it on our TVs. We got to put it on our phones, on our smart devices. The fool feeds on trash. Because you, you, it, it's one or the other. You're either feeding on truth or you're feeding on trash. Whatever you fill your mind with is what's going to come out. It's that old saying, garbage in, garbage out. And that actually was a computer programming uh, phrase because if you, if you typed in garbage into your computer, what do you get out of your computer? Garbage, right? If you want to be wise, you've got to feed on truth every day, not on trash. You should not be reading 50 shades of any color. Because it's trash, it's poison. And a wise person doesn't let poison into their mind. A wise person puts on the helmet of salvation to guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. Above all else, guard your heart because everything flows from it. Wise people protect their minds, they protect their hearts. The wise person feeds on truth because it makes them wiser in their relationships, wiser in their finances, with their time, with their business, with their parenting, in their marriage. A wise person listens to the word of God. Number two, a wise person finds reliable friends. What kind of friends? If you were here last week, we used this verse, and I was going to let it go, and I just can't let it go. God just, just put this burning desire in my heart to share this today. And so here's the verse, Proverbs 18, 24. One who has unreliable friends. What kind of friends? Soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. How many of you have ever had an unreliable friend? How many of you wish that all your friends were unreliable? Wouldn't that be super fun? If everybody, I can't count on any of them. Man, life would be good. 
So it got me thinking, what makes a reliable friend? I'm going to tell you what makes a reliable friend for me. It comes from the scripture. First one is Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So we're, we're going to put these, these characteristics up on the board. So a, a reliable friend on this side, unreliable friend on that side. And we're going we're gonna to compare the, the characteristics. A reliable friend fears God. The Bible says the beginning of wisdom, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. I want somebody who fears God more than they fear my approval or anyone else's approval for that matter. But the unreliable friend despises God, ignores God's wisdom, doesn't have time for that. Proverbs 25, 14, one of my memory verses. The Lord confides in those who fear him. Think about the enormity of that statement. The God who created everything confides in people who fear him. I want to be one of those. And I don't think I'm one of those. So I need to put myself in a position where the Lord can say, I can trust you with my covenants. He makes his covenant known to those type of people, those who fear him. So the second thing on on the, the characteristics, I said, a reliable friend fears God and hears God. No offense. I don't want your opinion when I need help. I want something that comes from somebody much wiser than you. Someone who's eternal. And if you'll put yourself in a position, there may be times when God speaks to you and because you're one of my reliable friends, when you speak to me, I accept that. If you're a fool and you try to speak into my life, I reject that in the name of Jesus. I don't have to accept that. And if you speak something in my life, I'm going to go and I'm going to read the scripture. And if it's in the scripture and it comes from you, I'm not going to call you God because God would be much better looking than you are. I would say thank you for allowing God to use you in my life. But an unreliable friend, they ignore God. You ignore God, you don't get to speak into my life. It's just the way it is. Next one. 1 Corinthians 14, 20. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In in regard to evil, be infants. I love this verse. But in your thinking, be adults. I should be as pure as an infant when it comes to evil things. I've got to guard my heart and my mind. I've got to be careful what goes in there. Because if I allow it in there, Satan stirs it up. And you, you give him an inch, he takes a mile. Janie and I, one of the things we love to do is go on cruises, and I've told you this before. We don't want you to know which cruise we're going on. We don't want you to know where we're going because we don't want you to show up. I love you, and I get enough of you here at New Life. I mean, I'm just, you know, I've got that red temperament, so I'm just going to tell you like it is. I love to hang out with my wife, and I love to reconnect with her. And so we like to go off in secret. Um. But on these cruises, there's this thing that happens. So they have these comedians that come on, and I love comedians as long as they're clean. I don't like it when they're not clean. So they'll have a family-friendly show, and they'll invite all of the kids. There'll be little kids in there. Hilarious. We have a great time. Well, some of them. Some are just going, really, dude, you know, this is all you can afford. But, but some of them are really funny, and I love that. But they have this show after 11 p.m., and it's called the Adults Only Show. And they will say, 
Now, if you're easily offended, and they make fun of you, if you're easily offended, you don't need to come to this show. And Janie and I were walking by one time, and we heard some of the trash that was going on in there, people laughing. And I thought, I thought, I don't want to be in there. I would have to go take a shower after going to that deal. And, and, and yet they make fun of me because, oh, you're, you need to lighten up. You're too easily offended. I actually saw on Facebook, a relative of mine put on Facebook, watch this unless you're easily offended. And I just went, oh, dear God, don't turn around and then say, I'm a Christ follower and you need to listen to me. But watch this unless you're easily offended. And, and uh, if you're going to tag something or post something on Facebook and it has cuss words in it, has whatever, I don't think that's very wise. And I'm not, not that you want to be, but I'm not going to put you in my reliable friend column because you're unwise. I'll love you and I'll hang out with you, but you don't get to speak into my life. I don't have time for that. The kingdom, the end is coming. People are dying and going to hell because Christians are lightening up and acting just like non-Christians. In regard to evil, be infants. And you're thinking, be adults. So this is what I put. This is what I put. Reliable friend fears God, hears God's mature. Despite the unreliable, despises wisdom, ignores God, and is childish. Now, it's, I'm not going to condemn you if you're childish. I'm just not going to allow you to be one of my counselors. Next one. Psalm 119, 24. Your statutes are my delight. They are my what? How many people do you know are counseled by the word of God? How many, how many people do you know love the word of God? And who say to you, I can't make this decision until I open up the word of God and am counseled by the word of God. How many people you know like that? Not very many. Thank you, Susan. Proverbs 18, 13. Here's the opposite of that. He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame. This verse has been guiding my life for about the last three months, whether I'm, I'm doing, making decisions with the, the board of praying Pelican or when I, whether I'm with this church, whatever, this is guiding me. I cannot make a decision if I've only heard one person's side of the story. Look at, in case you don't get it, look at Proverbs 18, 13 in the New Living Translation. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. You ever spout it off? Yeah, we all have. Scripture says that's not wise. It's foolish. Now, how many sides are there to any story? At least three. At least three. If there's four Washburns, there's about 18. Um, we all are the red personality, you know. There's at least three. There's, there's your side, there's my side, and there's God's side. Let me give you an example of this. So when Joshua leads the children of Israel, they've come through the wilderness. They're about to go into the promised land. They've actually crossed the Jordan River. God dries it up. They walk across on dry land. The river comes back. It's at flood stage. They're at this place called Gilgal. 
And at Gilgal, they don't know what to do because the first city that they're going to encounter is Jericho, and it's this fortified walled city. Thick walls, archers on the walls. They don't know what to do. So the first night they're there, Joshua goes walking. And I think he's walking around because he doesn't know what to do. I think he's up going, oh, dear God, I'm leading these people. What am I supposed to do? And he looks up and he sees this majestic warrior. He is decked out. He is ready for a fight. And I love Joshua because he walks up to him and he goes, hey, dude, are you on our team or are you on that team? Are you for us or are you against us? And, and the, the warrior goes, no. That was not a yes or no question. Are you for us or are you against us? No. And here's what the warrior said. He didn't know it at the time, but in a minute he, know, he does. It's an angelic warrior. And he said, as captain of the Lord's host, the multitudes of heaven, the armies of heaven, as captain, I have come. And then he proceeds, proceeds to give him the, the battle plan. Here's the point. It's not whether this angelic warrior is on your side. No, no, no. It's much bigger than that. Are you on God's side? There is your side. There's my side. There's God's side. And you better get on God's side. And by the way, if we're both on God's side, how are we going to see differently? Isn't God big enough to tell us both the same thing? I actually said that to somebody this week. God's not going to tell you one thing and tell me something else. If we're both seeking God, he will reveal himself to us. So here's the, the last one I put up here. Reliable friend fears God, hears God's mature, listens to both sides, to God before they speak. The unreliable friend ignores God and spouts off. Here's what you need to do. Or they jump in to defend someone else and they're not even involved in the conflict. That doesn't seem wise to me. And it sure doesn't seem biblical. So when you're considering reliable friends, here's, here's what I wrote down. The quality of the rest of your life will largely be determined by the people you choose to keep close to you. Because here's a promise of scripture. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Bad company, what's that next word? Corrupts. Good character. Every time. When I was a youth minister, we used to talk about missionary dating. Missionary dating is when this good girl will date the bad guy, thinking that she's going to lead him to Christ and he's going to be this perfect example. Never happens. Never. You don't change an individual. God does. And the best way for you to be a, a witness to that person is you live a life following Christ. And the scripture is very clear. Very clear. Not only are you not supposed to date non-Christians, you're certainly not supposed to marry them. You should be a Christ follower. You should be running to Christ full blast. And the people you date should be running at least as fast as you are towards Jesus. In fact, Tommy, Tommy Nelson talks about that um, in, in his, one of his series. That he said, you should be running the race and looking around, and the people who are keeping up with you, that's who you date. And some of you are like, I'm too fast. <laughs> Don't run ahead of God. You wait until God reveals himself, and that's who you date. That's who you marry. Peer pressure doesn't stop when you get out of high school, does it? <laughs> you need friends who build you up and challenge you. Here's, here's a promise from Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise, and you'll become what? Wise. Associate with fools, and what will happen to you? Get in trouble every time. Do you have anybody in your life who's regularly speaking God's truth into your life. 
It's called a small group. <laughs> you need to meet with them at least once a week. You don't have to meet more than that. Once a week with a group of friends that are building you up, that, that's a big deal. They're encouraging you to do the right thing, not the wrong thing. If you don't have that, you will give up and you'll go with the flow. And when you go with the flow, you know where you end up every time? Because God called us to go a different direction. He did not call us to be like everybody else. Holy means set apart for God. So I don't get to be like everybody else. Doug, I'm too busy to take time out for a small group once a week. Okay, question. If you were to make better decisions, would you have more time? It's called wisdom. You'd have more time because you're not having to clean up the messes. That's what we offer in small group. We don't have it tonight. We have it next week. But you can put it on your calendar. Third thing, if you're going to get wisdom, you need to ask questions. Intelligent people are always ready to learn. What kind of people are always ready to learn? Intelligent, which means unintelligent people are not. Which one do you want to be? When you ask, you need to listen. A sign of intelligence is being inquisitive, but you need to listen, actively listen. Because a fool doesn't. A fool spouts off before he's heard a matter. And the Bible says that's folly and shame. See, for the most part, when, when your mouth is moving, you're not learning. So you need to stop. Number four, accept correction. If you're not willing to accept correction, it means you're not humble. And what is, a, what is one of the primary requirements for God's wisdom? To be humble. Listen to advice and accept correction. And in the end, you'll be what? Wise. Why does a coach correct his or her players? To make them better. Why would a reliable friend correct you? Same reason. Make you better. Number five. Reinforce what I learned. If you don't reinforce what you learned, do you know what you end up doing? The same thing you've always done, do you know where you end up going? Same place you've always gone. If you want a different result, let's try a different beginning. Doesn't that sound wise? <laughs> Which, by the way, reinforcing what you learn, that's why we hand out these listening guides. Because the Air Force, years ago, the, the United States Air Force did a study about how much you remember after 72 hours. You forget 95% of what you just hear. Preacher's worst nightmare statistic. By Wednesday, you don't have a clue what I said on Sunday, right? So we offer you these little listening guides just to reinforce it, just so you can take it. And if you don't want to do that, we actually have the option on our app. Every week, Keith puts the listening guide on our app, and you can fill it in. You can email it to yourself. You can go back and, and look at those things and reinforce what you learned because if you don't reinforce it, you're going to do the same thing over and over and over again. And actually, the, the lessons get harder because if God is your father, he's going to discipline you. If you're not being disciplined, according to Hebrews chapter 12, you are not a child of God because God disciplines those he loves as a loving father disciplines his children. So if you're just listening and then you leave, you're sitting there looking real spiritual. 
It's not impacting your life. It's like this. The average Christian, average Christian, y'all are above average, right? I know. Let's say this thimble represents God's wisdom. The average Christian I know shows up at church once a week, about an hour, and sips from God's wisdom. Mmm, that's nice. (laughs) Walks out the door, forgets everything they've heard. They could be worshiping. God, you've got the power to redeem. Walk out, somebody cuts them off, spirit's gone. Maybe an hour a week they spend sipping on God's wisdom. 167 hours a week. It's 168 hours in a week. 167 hours a week. Most Christians I know go out and suck from the trash can heap of life. Mm, That's good. You need to lighten up. You're too easily offended. Not only that. Hey, Ryan, why don't you come suck from the trash can of life with me? Because misery loves company. There's another Ryan. Come on, man. Come. I got four straws. Let's suck from the trash can of life. And then next Sunday, we'll go back and sip from the wisdom of God. And then go back and we wonder, why is my life no different in 2019 than it was in 2015 or 2010 or 2000, if you're even that old. In my case, 1964, the, the, the preteen, I kept getting these texts on Friday night for the lock-in. Hey, were you born in 1966? Because they had to have somebody. I'm like, nope, not me. I'm older than that, sucker. <laughs> Here's what Solomon said in Proverbs 22:17. Listen, and I will teach you what the wise have said. Study their teachings, and you'll be glad if you remember them and can quote them. How do do you quote something? You memorize it, and I have people all the time. For 36 years I've been in ministry, people have been saying, I cannot memorize the Bible, but they can tell you the batting average of their favorite player from 10 years ago in the major leagues. They can tell you all kinds of useless information. They can tell you the recipe for something. They can tell you the lyrics of their favorite song. I have not listened to Van Halen's Running with the Devil since I was 18, 17, 18 years old, and I can still, I'm not proud of this, I can still quote every word to that song because I listened to it over and over, and then I'd show up on Sundays and I'd sip from God's wisdom, and then I'd go back and listen to and sing Running with the Devil and hang out with several guys that knew him very well. So when you get in trouble, don't blame God. Because he said there's a way to avoid that. You remember what's important to you. And the minute God's truth becomes important, you'll start remembering it. Number six, do it. (laughs) See, I listen to the truth, God's word every day. I enlist reliable friends to speak into my life. I ask questions of them and other people and I listen. I remember what God says and I reinforce the truth and now I got to do it. You don't just talk about it. You got to do it because no matter, no matter how much Bible you know, you're not wise unless you do it. James says this in James 1. 
Do not deceive yourselves by just listening to the word. Instead, put it into practice. If you listen to the word but do not put it into practice, you're like people who look in a mirror and see themselves as they are. They take a good look at themselves and then go away and at once forget what they look like. But if you look closely into the perfect law that sets people free, God's word, wisdom, sets you free from whatever your past hurts, habits, and hang-ups are. And you keep on paying attention to God's word and you do it. And don't simply listen and, and then forget it, but put it into practice. You do it. Then you'll be blessed by God and what you do, which means if you don't put it into practice, you will not be blessed by God in what you do. Six ways that you can be wise for the rest of your life. So what are you going to do with it? You're going to drink from the thimble? Go back and drink from the trash can? Or are you going to do something different? Choice is yours. What is the wise thing to do? Is it wise to walk out the door and never put into practice anything you've heard? Is it wise to look into the mirror of God's word and walk away and forget what God's word says? No, it's not. Wise people <laughs> learn to avoid dead ends simply by talking to God and having reliable friends. You don't come out wise, but you can acquire wisdom from above, heavenly, pure, peace-loving. Anything else? It's from the pit of hell. Which wisdom do you want to be known for? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that your word tells us everything we need for life and godliness. Forgive us for ignoring it. Turn us into a, a church that pursues wisdom and wants to have reliable friends around us who also are pursuing wisdom so that we can be known as a place of faith and wisdom of God. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.